This week, we're starting a new series from Hebrews called, He is Greater and Superior to All. So we're going to look at verses in Hebrews that point us to Jesus, the one who's greater and superior to all. I want you to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1, and we're going to use verses 1 through 4 to speak about the evidence that Jesus is greater and superior to all. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many different times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. I want us to look at today at the evidence as to why Jesus is the greater and superior to everything. God speaks about it here in verses 1 through 4. And if you look through this, I just want to do an overview of how Hebrews just lays out the superiority and the greatness of Christ. We're looking at verse 1 through 4 today as the evidence, but Hebrews says that he's greater and superior to the angels, that he's greater and superior to Moses, that he's greater and superior to the Sabbath, that he's greater and superior to the high priest, that he's greater and superior to Melchizedek, that he's greater and superior to the tabernacle and the temple, that he is greater and superior to the old covenant, that he is greater and superior to the blood sacrifices, and so Hebrews says four warnings to us. Don't drift away, but continue to pay attention to just how great and superior it, Jesus is. Stay encouraged because some of them in the time in which they're writing were going through some severe persecution. Stay encouraged. Don't let your hearts get hardened. Number three, continue to grow in your faith and don't be content with just staying on the elementary level of the milk of the Word of God. And fourthly, consider how you may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Live in peace with one another and be holy because without holiness no one will see the Lord. Hebrews' declaration of the evidence that Jesus is greater and superior to anyone or anything should make you realize that you have a faith and that faith is confident in what you hope for, and you have the assurance about what you do not see. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. So like Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and Rahab and numerous others, who were all commended for their faith, we need to be just like them, to have that solid faith 
that Jesus is greater and superior to all. And therefore, we, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses of people of faith, we need to throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that could so easily entangle us. And let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, the Hebrew writer goes towards that summation, we should be thankful and worship God with reverence and in awe. And then I love the conclusion of Hebrews, the very last part, this great summation of why Jesus is greater and superior to everything. He writes, May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the overview. So I want us to return to Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 for our teaching today about the evidence from God that Jesus is greater and superior to all. Can I just tell you that there is no one, that there is nothing that compares with Jesus Christ? You can't take Christ out of Christianity and still have Christianity because Christianity is not a code. It's not a cause. It's not a creed. It's Christ. It's a vital relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you try to take Jesus out of Christianity, that would be like taking notes out of music. It would be like taking numbers out of math. If you take Jesus out of our Christianity, you don't have anything left because Christ and Christianity are the same. For you see, Christianity is not about believing things. It is about receiving someone receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the one who's greater and superior to all. Christianity is a vital relationship with this person, Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. And he is alive and well and living forever. If you take the person of Jesus Christ out of Christianity, the entire house of Christianity collapses like a house of cards. Jesus is foundational. So Hebrews begins with the evidence of his greatness and superiority by looking at the word of God, God's spoken word. Look in verse 1. First in the past, how God revealed his thoughts and purposes through his spoken word. In the past, verse 1 says, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various things. You know, I love how the Bible talks about God. How God just speaks things into existence like the universe. The Psalms tells us that God, through the nature that he creates, he speaks to us through nature. And Paul will talk about that in Romans chapter 1 as well. So therefore, we're, we have no excuse because God reveals himself in what he's created. God spoke through the angels. God spoke through the law. God spoke through the prophets at many times in many, many different ways. And much of what was spoken was pointing to the arrival of God's Son, the superior, Savior, the superior Savior Messiah, into this world. God spoke in the past. But notice in verse 2, it begins with the emphatic, but now. You see, God spoke in the past this way, but now, emphatically there. In these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son. 
You see, Jesus is the final word of God. He is the full word of God. He's the incarnate word of God. Jesus is God's word in its finality. You see, Jesus is that final revelation. These are the last days, or this is the last age. There is no new age on earth beyond this one. This is not a new word that's going to be here. The next age will be the eternal age, living with God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit forever. This is it. This is the last day because Jesus is the Savior for all times. There is nothing greater or superior to Jesus. He is the complete, the fullness, the final word of God. And that should just make you want to say, hallelujah. I mean, this is what Jude means in his letter. When you look in verse 3, and he says, I feel compelled for you to contend for the faith. I want to tell you to contend for the faith once and for all. It's the entrusted one that's given to God's holy people. You contend for that faith that's once for all entrusted to us as God's holy people. You're not going to go beyond the Lord Jesus Christ. If someone's trying to convince you that there is some new teaching, some new way to live, you know it's not true. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And all men must come through him to get to God. Jesus is the final word, and as the final word for all ages, he is the powerful word. For look in verse 3, the Son, that is Jesus, this eternal, greater, superior than anyone else being, this eternal one, this Son, is the radiance of God's glory. He's the brightness of God's glory. He's the exact representation of his being, exactly in nature, in being, in essence, everything. God and Christ are one in the same. And what does he do? He sustains all things by his powerful word, by his powerful word. He's the expressed image of God. That's why Jesus said in his ministry, no one knows the father but the son and he to whom the son will reveal and the only way you can know God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, no one comes into the Father but by me because I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. God's word is evidence that Jesus is greater and superior to all. Jesus is the final word. He is God's word in fullness. He is God's word in focus. He is God's word incarnate. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, the gospel of John tells us. Now, Jesus is greater and superior, not only because of the spoken word of God, but because of who Jesus is. Look in verse 2. He's called the Son of God. He is God's Son. Look in verse 2 again. He is the heir of all things. Verse 2, he made the universe. Verse 3, he's the exact representation of his being. And then look in verse 3, where is he now? He is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. Verse 2, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. And in verse 3, it says he sustained all this by his powerful word. Who is he? He's the agent of creation. He made the universe. Who is he? He's the sustainer of all 
creation. Everything is held together by his sustaining power. What keeps this universe together? What keeps it from falling apart? What keeps it from disintegrating? Jesus, by his sustaining power, holds all things together. Who is he? He's the heir of all things. Everything belongs to him. It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is greater and superior because of what the evidence comes from the word of God. He is greater and superior because he's the one of who he is, holds everything together by his powerful word, who he is. Jesus is greater and superior to all because of what he provides. Look in verse 3, what he did for us. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Isn't it wonderful that Jesus provides our salvation? The sacrifice for our sins. And what he provides for us expresses the love of God for us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And we're told that all who will believe in Jesus Christ, who will believe in his name, repent of their sins, confess him as Lord, be baptized into his name, that Jesus will add us to his church will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's provided this for us. He provided purification for our sins. He did it for us. He's the only one who could have done this for us. He's our great, superior, precious Savior. There is no other Savior. There is no other way to be saved. There is no other way to heaven. Jesus is not just the best way to God. He's the only way to God. Jesus' commandments about life are not only the best way to live, but it's the only way to live that's going to bring eternal life. You know, two of my favorite old songs that we don't sing enough are this. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains and what about this one what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of jesus he provided purification for my sins next he now reigns with god on high He's seated at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. He is seated, notice. His work is finished, it's complete. On the cross prior to his death, he says, it's finished. Not, oh no, I'm finished. No, it's the work that's finished. The sacrifice is finished. The purification for sins is finished. Our salvation is secured through him. It is finished. Nothing is left to ever be done about the sins of humanity. It was a sacrifice once and for all, the pure sacrifice that made purifications for your sins and my sins and every single person who ever live on this planet that will ever give their life to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He has done that completely, completely, completely once and for all. His work as Savior is complete. It's finished. He finished the work that had to be done to give us forgiveness and purification and removal of condemnation and to give us the abundant life and the eternal life. Hallelujah. You see, he deals what the real issue, the real human condition problem's all about. Sociologists try to identify and categorize what the problem is with the human condition. 
Psychologists have their categories and identifying marks about what they think is the problem of the human condition. Philosophers try to reason it out, and they, they have their theories and their ideas about what the problem is with the human condition. Socialists and communists and capitalists and all sorts of people economically try to look at the human condition to try to figure out what will improve the human condition. Criminologists will look and study all sorts of profiles of criminals to figure out what is the problem with the human condition, how can we change it. Humanists will look at all the different things that people go through in society and look at society and say, what is the problem with the human condition? And everybody's trying to figure it out. They all are. They all are. But you can call it what you want. You can try to categorize it any way you want to. You can give any sort of big name that you want to. But the problem the Bible says with the human condition is a little word, a three little word called sin. Sin is the problem. And you can try to label and identify and categorize specific problems and you can try to deal with them and try to work them out. But they're all rooted in the same problem the Bible calls sin. And that sin is in our human nature. And there is only one answer, one answer to that sin problem in the human condition. It's only one answer. And every single human problem is answered through the salvation that Jesus Christ offers to everyone in humanity. There is not one human problem that cannot be solved by the blood of Christ that makes purification for our sins. He said he came here on earth to do the will and the complete will of the Father. He did this. He finished all of his work to die for our sins, to provide purification, forgiveness, the removal of condemnation for all those who receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If we want to solve our human condition problem, we have to understand we cannot solve it. We must turn to the one who provided the solution, and his name is Jesus. That's why no other person, no other one can be seated at the right hand of God. No other, not an angel, not Moses, not Melchizedek, no high priest, no one that humanity has ever labeled as one of the great people of society that's ever lived on this planet. Salvation is found in no one else than Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's why there is no greater name than the name of Jesus. And that's why verse 4, it ends with this. His name is superior to the names of angels. Now we're going to end here this week and start with that statement next week, Lord willing, about what it means that Jesus is greater and superior to the angels. May God bless you. If you found this lesson to be helpful to you, I encourage you to visit our church website to listen to this lesson again and view the notes on it, or to listen to additional sermons on a variety of topics that are designed to strengthen your faith and increase your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we can help you in any way to respond to this, if you have a spiritual need, would you please email us at response at somervillechurchofchrist.org and we will get back to you as soon as possible. God bless you and have a good rest of the week.